0: Greetings, crafters and welcome to another Minecraft discussion on this spectacular day. My name is Kimberly Quinn, and I am elated to be here with all of you to, uh, to have a discussion on, you know, sort of suggesting to stop rehearsing on happiness. And I'll tell you, my inspiration today, uh, I'm, uh, I'm Richard Carlson. I'm back on a Richard Carlson jag. The thing with Richard Carlson is he's written a bunch of these "Don't Sweat the Small Stuff" books, a bunch of them. And there's uh, "Don't Sweat the Small Stuff," the original one. There's "Don't Sweat the Small Stuff with Money." There's "Don't Sweat the Small Stuff with Family," and the one that's inspiring me today is "Don't Sweat the Small Stuff in Love." And there are a bunch more, I'm sure. But uh, this is super important and. <clears throat> Whether you have a partner or not, or whether you want one or not, it doesn't make a difference because the rehearsing unhappiness thing is something we don't want to do, you know, in general with any relationship or with ourselves because whatever we rehearse or practice, we inevitably get better at. And that's not different with unhappiness. And the kicker with this is, and we've talked about it before, is that we, for very primal reasons, are wired. To um, think negatively for you know back in saber tooth tiger times, yeah you know, that's how we survived right It's, you know looking for the looking for the holes and things looking for what could go wrong and so it's a little bit of an uphill lift you know in today's modern world you know to to not react to all kinds of things like we did back then you know ch- saber tooth tiger chasing us is you know far worse than you know, somebody forgot to respond to your email or invite you to the, you know, holiday party or whatever. So it's very important to realize that what we, uh, that we do have to do a little bit of a push because of the primal reptilian brain and the wiring. And, uh, and also we've talked about this as well. Awareness is key. We can't do what we don't know. Right? So once we have the awareness, then we have therefore have a responsibility. My friend, Dr. Dave says that constantly. So Richard Carlson PhD starts by saying that, you know, when we try to implement this strategy of, you know, just kind of cease this campaign for unhappiness. It can be a little tricky, but again, once we, you know, sort of put one foot in front of the other, um, things start to, you know, we start to develop a pattern and the brain loves patterns and just like anything else, it gets easier, right? Like when you start playing the guitar, if you brain, right, I went through this phase, you're a newbie at it and you get calluses and everything. And then, and then after that, after a while, the calluses disappear, and you're playing Margarita Bell. Well, that's the same thing with practice, you know, or practicing being, you know, looking for the positive and ceasing to rehearse being unhappy. Okay, so Richard gives us a visual here. his example is Kelly is driving to see her boyfriend. A memory comes to mind of an argument they had a few weeks ago. As she remembers the incident, she plays it out again, almost as if it were happening right there in the car how many of us can admit to doing that within whatever circumstance totally she realizes that her boyfriend was being unnecessarily stubborn maybe even a little mean she remembers his doing something similar at a party last month doubt begins to creep into her mind she begins to wonder if she if he's the right guy after all within a matter of minutes she's a little angry as she thinks to herself he better not do that again tonight Oh man, this is, I can just, I can relate back more in my twenties, but by the time she arrives at his apartment, she's feeling slightly distant, nothing horrible, but enough to make a difference in the way she feels about the evening and about her relationship. This is a really good example that Richard Carlson, PhD brought up because, and regardless of your life stage, this sounds like more kind of young adult situation, but in your thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, and beyond, I think we all know what it's like to prime our brain. That's what it's called, priming, right? Just like when we are primed by a commercial, you know, to go buy something, we're not even aware of it. We can prime ourselves with our talk. So this guy hasn't even done anything, you know, and yet. And I say yet may not do anything, but she's she's reliving, you know, a past memory of old behavior. And we know that when we retrieve an old memory along with it, comes the attached emotion. So it's not just a memory, but it's if that made her pissed or frustrated or doubting him or them as a couple, all that's gonna come right back into the present moment. And she's just barely arriving there. <laughs> Nothing even happened. So you can take that example, which I think was very common, a very solid one to give us a visual, and think about in your own life, when have you done that? I mean, I think we all can come up with with a time when we were headed to a party or headed to something and, you know, you predicted so-and-so would be there and have the same, you know, RBF on, you know, on the resting, beautiful face, right? You know what the real word is. And, you know, we just kind of uh, almost, my husband would call it out for bear. Like the person literally didn't speak. They're on the other end of the bleachers or the other end of the restaurant or the other end of of the whatever, did not even talk or even glance in your direction yet. But you just had this, you know, just ready, ready to pounce. And that's because, um, the example Kelly here, she got herself stoked with old memories, like almost like a high school pep rally, like go, 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 go. And so, uh, it's interesting. Richard calls it some, something similar that I call it. I would call this a thought ambush, which also applies to This example, but also just, you know, in general, obsessive compulsive thinking, which she is clearly doing. So I guess that counts. He refers to this as as a thought attack. He says, because in a sense, that's what it really is. Your thoughts attacking you. This is the thing. And this is largely what Minecraft is about, is understanding that. Because there are two choices in, in this world as far as this goes, right? We can control our thoughts or our thoughts can control us. So... We think about which is more pleasant. Kelly, in this example, is being controlled by her thinking, which is about to ruin her future life minutes. Her present life minutes are already going down the tubes, and she's about to ruin her future life minutes because she is not in charge of her brain. Rather than the little jockey on top of that gorgeous, powerful, beautiful thoroughbred horse, she's like, you know, latched onto his leg as he runs around the race, and he's going all over the place. You know, we need to, we need to be that little jockey on top of that powerful mind, beautiful, strong, gorgeous three pound mind, and we need to, to, to steer steer the mind where it's where it's going to go, just like the jockey steers the thoroughbred. And it's the other way around here. If you could picture a thoroughbred riding a jockey, so it's obviously that's a ridiculous. Probably makes you laugh, and that's and that's what's going on here. Um. Uh, And he talks about you know it's tricky because we're often not even aware that we're doing it you know if Kelly had a little bit more awareness that's not said with judgment it's a made up story anyway probably but it's not with judgment because we've all been in that spot again you can't do what you don't know she has to kind of come into this right and we walk around like kind of you know sabotaging ourselves and our relationships with other people because we're not controlling our thinking. And reeling it in and cleaning the slate the guy didn't do anything give him a chance and see what happens you know and the thing is these thoughts happen so quickly i mean we've all been there right they just kind of rapid fire across and you know unless we challenge them and cherry pick the ones that we want to stay this continues to happen and that's kind of like the entire problema right there and then richard says at times kelly like kelly most of us Um, mistake a few harmless negative thoughts for a serious problem in our relationship. Consequently, rather than dismissing the thoughts or responding to each moment as it arrives, we instead take out our self-created frustration on our partner as if he or she were the real problem. And while it's possible there is a real problem, our minds have a way of blowing things out of proportion. I mean, if we were in a, just think about it, because if we were in a a classroom setting or, or a speaking engagement setting where it's a lot of people and I would I would say if if you feel you know brave enough up to you excuse me to raise your hand if you've had this happen so wherever you're sitting unless you're driving don't do that both hands on the wheel um, just raise your hand on the you know if you're on the couch like I've had that happen to me I got myself so stoked to go to war over something, maybe even a small battle. Maybe it's a huge war. And you got yourself all stoked. And, you know, that's the way it went because you kind of decided it unconsciously. We totally get it. So then Richard says um, a thought attack can be about practically anything. It can happen anywhere at any time in the shower, while you're trying to sleep, in, the, in an airplane, while walking the dog, or you're cleaning the house at work. Or elsewhere specifically thought attacks can be about what's wrong in your relationship how your needs aren't being met or fear or suspicion that's on your mind people have reported to ah well, he means he and his wife to report thought attacks about the fact that their partner isn't doing his or her fair share others play out worst-case scenarios about pending arguments the implications of a diminishing sex drive resentment over a partner's lack of ability to make an, an adequate income or whatever. Again, this is all about. This particular book relates to don't sweat the small stuff to to romantic relationships, but this works with anything. I don't care if it's just a roommate, it's a cousin, it's uh, parents, it's a sibling, it's you know. We can all. Uh, oh, where am I getting this from? I remember it's 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 I I don't know I don't know if I heard it exactly at the 12-step programs, but I do know it's related because I heard it by somebody who was in a 12-step program. And they said to me, they're giving an example. Gosh, this is years ago, having this total stray brain cell. And they called it stinking thinking. I love that. He said, that's, that's stinking thinking. And the example was they heard all kinds of bad things about this new person who joined the group and people are, you know, and they got all stoked. Why so they started to all think bad things about this person who was at, joining the group. And the person shows up and they were like "F you!" and slammed the door. And it was just like a figurative because they had been so primed, so primed they didn't even meet him or anything. So we do this in romantic relationships. We do this with you know uh, anyone because our minds just get so carried away. And it's again remember that our minds often seek out the negative because of our wiring. So we've got to really flip the script on flip the script on that. And, um, even if you don't want to, no one's saying to throw up with positive either, but at least fact check the negative. That's, that's actually the most important thing. Um, and he said, uh, what else is it? Okay. The solution is simple, but not easy. All you have to do is catch yourself engaging in these, in these little thought ambushes. That's what we're saying is just to be aware, just to be aware because that's how it works. And, and. Also, as I frequently say with other things, to set the bar, do your best. Because once you're on to this, you maybe have a little habit with this. Maybe you have a habit with this more with one person than someone else. Then each time you catch yourself, just say, wow, way to go. You know, you stopped a potential argument or you stopped a potential saying something hurtful. You stopped a potential, you know, drama that just was totally unnecessary. And then just tell yourself, like, way to go. I'm evolving with this. I'm totally evolving. And if you you know, kind of fall off the wagon, as they say, and step into it, then, then just catch yourself. be like, okay, I got, I got wrapped up in it again and I'm going to now realize it and, and try to, you know, work through it. And, and, um, what else does he say? He says, we're not, we're certainly not suggesting that thinking about your relationship, your concerns, dreams, issues, plans is wrong in any way. Like reflection is in a, you know, relationship. It's good, you know, especially if you're on the verge or on the cusp of making any big decisions, you know, moving in or marriage or buying a house. You want to make sure it's right. That all makes sense. But separating that sort of intentional thought with autopilot. Autopilot is the single biggest thief of life minutes that there could possibly be. So remember, it comes down to active decision making and passive decision making. We're at making active decisions, and we're cherry-picking our thoughts. This is the majority of the time in our best interest. When we throw caution to the wind, as they say, and just kind of, you know, we're on, it's like we're on cruise control, you know, the car's driving itself. You know, it doesn't go so well with the human mind because it's just, you know, wired in a way that may not be in our best interest. So Rich is talking about relation, you know, romantic relationships, but again, this can be anybody. And he talks about, you know, he and his wife have, um, that people have shared with them that this has been the single most helpful insight they've ever had about themselves is the idea that they can actually practice being unhappy. Uh, and that, you know, obviously harms relationships also with yourself. In fact, I did, uh, I did, a, I think it's three parts actually three-part podcast ages ago. Well, not ages, ages, not like a decade, but like two years ago, which is still in the realm of recent, I guess. And I did them on something similar, which is resisting happiness, parts one, two, and three. And this comes from, you know, a subconscious place, just like the practicing unhappiness does. And they're very similar because it's, it's kind of like we've got, kind of like having a splinter in your foot. You know, you're walking around. It might be sore, but you're not, you know, It's still there, you know, you're not trying to, you got to pull that thing out, you know, so you can go full, you know, full tilt forward and being your happiest best self. And then Richard says, once you begin to nip this problem in the bud, you notice a great deal more peace and happiness showing up in your relationship. Again, any relationship, rather than giving significance to your negative thoughts. Thank you, Richard Carlson, PhD. We are not our thoughts. Remember that, Minecrafters. We are not our thoughts unless... We cherry pick it, choose it, and 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 then bask in it. We they're just like thought bubbles. John Cabot zinn says that a lot. Just like pop, 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 pop. Then they're not based on any kind of fact. So let's start that over. I got sidetracked. Rather than giving significance to your negative thoughts, you can spend that energy thinking about more positive aspects of your relationship. Now I'm going to bring in it's Barbara Fredrickson, right? Yeah, I think yes. Three to one ratio. So. That's the ratio. You need three positive thoughts to outweigh a negative one. So if you're having a negative thought about your partner or someone else, you catch yourself. You can do it in your head. No one has to know. That Oh, they're not listening to me again. Whatever. Three things that you love about that person. They can be your best friend, your cousin, whatever. It doesn't make a difference. And in your head, three positive things. Watch, Practice that for for a day. Or if that feels like too much, an hour. That feels like too much, a half an hour. And see what the results are. And then he says, um, "Well, hope we give this this strategy a fair try." I do too. It it it's um it's I mean it's fun. I think it's fun to try these little positive ex- psychology experiments on yourself. I think it's super fun. I also do them on other people, and they don't know. Like when I used to bartend, they I get a prickly pair. Not very often, truthfully. I bartended at a ski resort, and most everybody was in a good mood. But every once in a while, you get a prickly pair, and I would try my own little experiment to get them to smile. And I would say. The high majority, better than 95% of the time, um, and we discussed it. The servers and I, we would talk, we kind of sometimes, we would sometimes kind of like do like a positive psychology ambush on them and they had no clue. And the high majority of the time, they left smiling, which is just so much fun. So, so that's really it. Be aware of your thought ambushes and turn that stuff around. You don't want to prime yourself, you know, and, uh, for your future life minutes to be frustrated and annoying and not enjoyable. So nip that in the bud. Okay, this is Kimberly Quinn signing off from a beautiful, scorchy, humid, northern Vermont. Have a mindful day.